0: Welcome to the Multiply Network podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there, thanks for tuning in today. My name's Paul, and I'm the host of the Multiply Network podcast. We're so grateful you took time to listen today. Our guest is Pastor Bill Markham from Central Community Church in St. Catharines. I love this conversation. I know you're going to as well. We talk about why online is the future of the church, shifts we need to make. Uh, He talks about the three C's of church and how they all look different, the content, community, and care. But what I love about this interview is you're going to hear his heart for people far from God. You're going to hear his heart for pastors And you're going to hear a a passionate appeal for us to maybe shift and change some of the things that we're used to doing so that we can reach people in Canada and perhaps around the world for Jesus. He's a great thinker that thinks outside the box, and he's going to challenge you today with some of those thoughts, and it's coming up right now. Hi, Bill. Welcome to the
1: podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here.
0: It's so great to have you uh, join us to talk about some important things as we look to the future in church. And uh, why don't you take a minute to tell us about just a little bit about you, your call to ministry, and uh, how you ended up, uh, you know, where you're at?
1: Yeah, well, really quick. I mean, my dad and mom were missionaries, so I grew up in Thailand. Um, And then we moved back when I was a teenager. My dad was a pastor. And then when I was about 17 years old, I felt the call. And I felt that because I just saw, you know, a lot of my friends around me. I played a lot of sports and I had a lot of friends who didn't go to church. And I just realized that, that there was something that I had experienced growing up that they hadn't had the opportunity and privilege to experience. So I really just wanted to make a difference. And so it wasn't really until recently that I was able to articulate this. And, and here's, here's my here's my reason for existence. I realized this. I think three things. One, we were all created to make the world a better place. I really believe that. A Second, I believe that love is the only thing that will do that. And third, I articulate this especially to my friends who aren't followers of Jesus, that Jesus is the best example of this, and so I follow him. So that's been really kind of my guiding principle for life. But yeah, I love it.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's a that is uh, that's some great, great thoughts there. Uh, you're leading uh, Central in St. Catharines and uh, doing a great job out there. Uh, in the middle of a building program, well, not in the middle. <laughs> however, you've been—it's you've been in this for a while, A long time. Yep. But but you, you're repurposing. Maybe that's the wrong word. You're building this with a different purpose. You're not repurposing it. You're building your building with a different purpose. Maybe what's the vision of Central, and how is your building going to serve that vision?
1: Well, the vision of Central has always been to reach our community. And we wanted we wanted to equip followers of Jesus to do that, um, and so our vision statement is inviting people into a life that matters. And it's really actually kind of rooted. Yeah, to know me, you gotta know the story. Of my mom. My mom grew up in a in a very difficult non-Christian home, and a small little church invited her to a VBS back in the day, Vacation Bible School. And as a result of that, my entire family came to be followers of Jesus. And so for generations now, wow. that legacy has been there. And I thought. Wow! Wouldn't it be great if we could create a space uh, that others could experience that same thing um, for generations? So we started a vision. It was about 10 years ago. And, and I recognized back then that buildings were losing their um, uh, church buildings were going to lose their, their functionality um, if they didn't transform into community centers. And I didn't really know how to articulate it at the time. And it's only through this pandemic, actually, I'm realizing, yeah, that is actually even becoming more evident that we needed to create a community space first and foremost that the church used rather than a church space that we, when there was space, we let the community use. Right. So there were, there were two reasons that we did it. One was philosophical. We wanted to eliminate as many barriers as possible for people to come into our space. And we wanted to actually create safe places for people to rub shoulders because again we, we forget how difficult it is for someone to step across a threshold into a church right um like to equate it in our own context it'd be like if a you had a friend who was a Buddhist and invited you to the temple well you, you, you that's that's a pretty big step and we forget that right so we wanted to, to eliminate as many barriers as possible and the second was practical I realized that we needed a space that paid the bills and so we built a building that will be self-sustaining that every part, every aspect, there's not a single space in that building that cannot be repurposed for community and to generate revenue. So, so those two kind of approaches, we built this new space or we're building, we're about, about six months away from finishing.
0: See, to me, that's revolutionary because, you know, typically we think when we get into buildings and we think about you know, the sanctuary and the kids space and the youth wing and the gym and all really good things. I I haven't heard too many people go, we're actually building this for the community. Like, how did that come about? Because I actually think that's a big part of our future, especially since we can't meet in buildings right now. When we come back, I think we have an opportunity to repurpose our current buildings to be way more community friendly. But how did you get to that point? Like, What led you there? Obviously, God was speaking to you, and, but, mm-hmm. but what, what really pulled you into that model or that building program?
1: Well, what really interested me was my engagement with my community. So I actually believe that no one should preach what they don't practice. So I don't think you should speak about evangelism if you don't have any unsaved friends. Um, but that's just a personal thing. No, it's true. So, yeah. So, so I, I was actively involved in my community. I coach volleyball. Um, I saw my sisters, my nieces, they were all involved in dance and I was observing where people gathered in large numbers, where that happened in our, in culturally. Yeah. And so I thought, man, if I could just create a space that that happened naturally. So, uh, the biggest challenge for me was convincing our, our congregation that we are not going to build a sanctuary. Um, we weren't even actually really going to build an auditorium. We were going to build a gym Uh, and in a church our size, people are like, what are you talking about? Like, that's what church planters do. That's what small churches do to start. And they only do that as a stepping stone and you're going backwards. And I said, actually, no, I think we're going forwards." So we built a space that will be a, a state of the art gym, uh, concert space. Um, and then on Sundays, we'll just transform it into a space that we can use, uh, on the weekends for our services. So, that yeah, it was it was actually just by observation where what is the most likely space that people who don't go follow Jesus would gather in that amount and that size. And so that's that's kind of how the idea started. It's just so opposite to what a church planter would be thinking.
0: you know it, you know yeah. we're talking to church planters that you're purposely building a building that you have to set up chairs every week. I mean, it's other planters going, I can't wait for the day that we'd stop setting up chairs and here you're building a building purposely. But but what you're saying is you're making the community the priority.
1: Absolutely. And what's happened is that when we first started the project, of course, everyone hears about a church being built and there's a lot of animosity in our in our government and in the, the decision-making power in our communities. But once they heard what we were trying to do and why we were doing it and that we were doing it with the community first, you wouldn't believe The shift that happened and the opportunities that i've had even to engage with our mayor like our the mayor and i are good friends um he even called me during the pandemic a couple times we're just we're just working through things but it opened up doors of opportunity because here's the problem most people in our communities actually think the church is an isolated island or an irrelevant or actually against them right and if you could actually physically demonstrate the opposite yeah. Like, I think that's what Jesus did. I think that's the whole point of incarnation. Incarnation is to physically manifest what is true. And so what if your building actually physically manifested what you believe to be true that work for the community, but yeah. most of our buildings don't. Yeah. And, and the sad thing is that most people will never step inside of our building. So what if we reverse the narrative where they yeah. step in our building all the time, and then they go, oh, there's You're- something that happens here on Sunday? Oh, well, I've already been there. I already know where the bathrooms are. Yeah, I already know where the where the entrances are, the exits. I know everything about that space because I was there for a tournament, a concert, um, whatever, a trade show. What if we could just change the narrative about what our community actually thinks about us? Love that it. That we're not building a fortress where we hang out in once a week, but we're actually building a space for everybody. Love that it. would be powerful.
0: So. I mean, just on a side note, one of the things that we noticed coming out of a uh, the state of church planting in Canada, it was a document done years ago, that more people per capita got saved in a school space in a new church plant than other spaces, because they were just the comfortability of people going to schools. It's like, I, I know the school, it's a safe place right. for my kids. It's a I think there's something to it. You said something to me, just shifting gears a little bit. Obviously, the pandemic has changed so much. I mean, that's that's maybe the understatement of the day. Um, <laughs> but you said to me a couple years ago, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, online is going to be a big part of our future, Paul. You have to be thinking about that in church planting world. Okay, we're in it. How big of a part is online of our future for the church in Canada, and why?
1: I don't think it's a part of our future. I think it is our future. Okay. Um, And and in order to understand that, let me just talk about a couple of things really quick. First is just a quick history lesson. Um, In order to understand why the gospel as we have it currently has gained traction throughout history, you have to understand history. So for example, Abraham, okay, the Jewish nation, Uh, the Ten Commandments, all of that comes out of the Bronze Age. And that's a major breakthrough in technology in our culture. What happens is we move from tribalism to civilizations through this. So then Abraham comes on into this, and he actually is going to form a nation. So he's leveraging, to use a term, technology, to leverage an idea. Um, And so he goes from a polytheistic worldview where lots of tribes have all kinds of gods to the centralized idea that there's one God. That's actually a major breakthrough. Yeah. And the nation of Israel is going to have a major impact. Then you have, of course, the Roman roads. That's The Romans bring all kinds of technological breakthroughs. And Jesus comes just at that time. Well, it's interesting that in order for the gospel to spread throughout the whole world, you're going to need transportation. And that technology, that one technological breakthrough, plus common language and, and trade, yeah. is the reason that the gospel spreads as quickly as it does. Then you have the Reformation it's not, again, there's a technological breakthrough that's attached to it. The printing press. The, the Bible is printed, and now it starts the Reformation because people can actually read the Bible for themselves. Okay, so if if we are astute students of history and we learn from our past, we should pay notice that whenever there's a major breakthrough in technology and advancement in civilization, those who leverage it for the gospel actually see great advance. So, I, I, you, I you may be in denial but the digital era is here to stay. Yeah. And it has radically not not only changed our world but changed the way we our minds actually work. Right. And if we don't under uh, if we underestimate that we are going to miss a massive opportunity. Yes. So for me the shift has gone from a from the limitation of time and space which we still function under. Right. Which barriers that's the old world. Okay that's the old way of thinking to a new idea where I can on-demand access stuff.
0: And that's the thing. Time and space, what you mean by that is that on-demand culture, correct?
1: 100%. So think of it this way. Nobody listening to this, well, I shouldn't say that. I should, um, is restricted in their viewing habits any longer. Now, it's still true in the sport world a little bit, but nobody goes to Blockbuster. Nobody Has a TV guide out going? Okay, seven o'clock on Thursday. I got that's when I get to watch my show. Right. If I can't watch it when I want to watch it, I'm not interested. Yep. Well, so but but we're still limited by time and space in our thinking when it comes to church world. We say show up at Sunday at such and such a time in such and such a space. Time and space, two limitations to our culture. And listen to an expert. You're limited in who speaks to you. I'm I'm just afraid that culturally that doesn't fly anymore.
0: Oh, I totally agree and that's that's going to be the tougher part to navigate honestly on demand is huge and when when time and space become our biggest hindering factor i think i think you're right we're going to be missing missing an opportunity uh what have you guys been navigating in your church and maybe broaden it to the church in canada as mm-hmm. it relates to what are you learning through this pandemic about what you guys are going through and maybe you're just telling me that you're on a call with other pastors across canada what are you hearing from them
1: well, I want to say two things to that. The first is that I think we got to stop seeing this as an obstacle and see it as an opportunity. Um, so just a quick uh, theological background to that statement. Yeah. Um, I love the book of Acts. And as Pentecostals, we love that book. Amen. But we but we need to study it again. Because there's something in there that we don't talk about. So in Acts chapter 1, of course, Jesus gives the promise of the Spirit. And he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the, to the ends of the earth. We get to chapter 7, they're still stuck in Jerusalem. So something happens in Acts chapter 8, and it's a catalytic moment. There's a there's a crisis, and it's Stephen being stoned, and the church begins to be persecuted. But as a result, it says they were scattered where? Well, to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And everywhere they went, they shared their story. And as a result, the church begins to spread. It actually takes a crisis for the church to do what it was supposed to do. Right. It had grown comfortable. It was still stuck in Jerusalem. So then you have Acts chapter 10. So in order for that to happen, though, there has to be a radical shift, like a radical shift. So God shows Peter a vision. And this is the crazy part about Acts chapter 10. God asks Peter to break God's law. Like just, you just, you got to sit on that for a second. If you, if you just take five to 10 minutes to meditate on that thought alone today, it'll, it'll radically shift something for you. God says, okay, yeah, I know all the things we said you weren't supposed to do. Now I'm telling you, you got to do it. Because it's the only way you're going to reach the Gentiles. And you can, like Peter does the right thing. He's like, no, no, I'll never do that. No, I I can't do that. And I hear that from pastors all the time. No, we can't do that. No, I won't do that. No, that's not godly. That's not biblical. You know, I'm sorry. You, You need to read Acts chapter 10 again. If that's what it takes to reach the Gentiles, God is willing to say, listen, the rule always is subjected to the reason. Right. The rule does not take prominence over the reason. The reason wins the day. Yeah. So rules change, and I know I know I'm rattling some cages here.
0: No, I like it. But it's
1: it's true. Rules change. So so Peter goes. Okay, great. Cornelius is converted, and we have the birth of the Gentile church. Thank goodness, or none of us are here. So yeah. But then in Acts chapter 15, something it happens. It's fascinating. So you think, oh, great, he made the shift. No, he didn't, because there were still many difficult conversations. Yeah. So in Acts chapter 15, now Paul is trying to convince everybody, you know, it doesn't matter if people are circumcised or not, because it's kind of awkward and hard to express to a whole bunch of grown, fully grown Gentile men that you have to do this. Yes. And Peter confronts him. Yeah. Peter forgets. And this is innovators have got to constantly be innovative or they forget. So I feel like even in church world, something that was innovative, even 10, 15, 30 years ago, we're still clinging to as if it's sacred. And it's not. Yeah. There is nothing, there is one thing sacred, the mission of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that is sacred. Everything else is subject to that reason. Yeah. And people go, oh, well, you're just opening the door to all kinds of things. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because if that's what it takes, I uh, see here, here's, here's the thing, Paul. I, I don't know. At what point are we going to wake up and say, I'm no longer satisfied with 7% of Canada? Like at what point are oh, we going to say, listen,
0: just, you know, just stop there for a second. Okay. Like. Like, at what point? Like, at what point do we just, at what point do we say, like, I heard it, Tom Rainer said this stat, it's long, you know, it's it's quite dated. He said something to the effect of 90% of churches in North America are losing ground, meaning even the growing churches aren't growing fast enough to keep up with population growth or their community. Their community could be growing all around them. And we, you know, they're growing, you know, at a little pace, but they're not. At what point do we just kind of throw everything up? And I feel like this pandemic season has put everything up for debate. At least mm-hmm. it should. That that there shouldn't be one leader out there in Canada that is not thinking like a church planter right now as you re-engage and reopen. Because I feel like everything now is up for debate. Nothing is going to be the same when we get back together. I mean, I mean, uh, I, this is your interview, so I'm going to stop well, talking right now, but I couldn't agree with you more about being satisfied with 7%. Well,
1: there's two things I think. The, the story of the emperor with no clothes comes to mind. Because if you tell yourself you have clothes, but you're naked, you're naked. That's not in the Bible, though, is it? I well it should it should be. I, it was, it was one that you know Mark didn't get down. He was, he was writing too, Jesus was speaking too fast that morning. He it must have been something with Nero. It just didn't just didn't, it didn't, didn't connect. Yeah, yeah. But but it's like it takes a child sometimes to say, "Hey, look. You you don't have clothes on." Because yeah. you have confirmation bias. And as long as you keep telling yourself you're winning um and you're, even even when you're not, you're not going to be self-aware enough to acknowledge something has to change second thing is just that that old cliche statement you know insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results yeah so we think oh well, if I just tweak my messaging or if I just tweak my worship well if that were true then we'd be gaining ground because we're tweaking that stuff all the time right so there, there has to become a, a, a desperation again
0: yes yeah for people yes
1: to the point where I'm willing to like am I willing to give up everything I'm comfortable with in Jerusalem? Am I comfortable with giving up everything I know growing up as a Jewish child?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, am I willing to give up even the things that I was were entrenched as me as theologically correct right. in order to reach the Gentile? That's the question that we must answer. I'm sorry, you don't get off the hook on that one. You can't excuse that one away. That is a question you must answer. And I am wrestling with that right now. And and I think this is really important. Please, if if you're listening to this and you are hearing criticism, that is not at all what's happening. This is a passionate plea. It is the opposite of criticism. It is a plea to say, please, could we reclaim the beauty and the power of the gospel that transcends culture and barriers, even religious culture and barriers that we establish in order for people to come into the incredible saving knowledge of who Jesus is and how he changes your life that's that's what this is all about at the end of the day yeah and so i constantly ask myself the hard questions because that's all i want yeah and i and i'm i'm for you i mean i'm i'm in the trenches with you yeah. trying to figure this out
0: yeah and thank you for saying that cuz that's the last thing any of us exactly. want to be this isn't a criticism but this is a Not call at all. this is a call for us to rethink to, to reimagine what what could happen because uh, I've got stories of countries around the world that have seen in the last decade or so, one particular I'm thinking that they grew triple. They tripled what they did. and it was small shifts, focusing back on making disciples, focusing in on the gospel, re, you know redefining what what their ecclesiology is. And making mm-hmm. it, making it uh, you know, again, not being satisfied with addition, but really going after multiplication. Uh, what shifts now do you think, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but I know there's a couple things brewing in your heart and your spirit. What shifts mm-hmm. do we need to make coming out of this pandemic?
1: Well, yeah, I, I thought about that a little bit. I think just to summarize what we've been talking about, we need to reclaim reason over rule. What I mean by that is the why before we even can tackle the how and the what. Because if you don't get the why right, your how and what is going to be completely irre- irrelevant. Yeah. Like if, if you don't have an engine in your car, it doesn't matter what color you paint it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you exactly. sit, sit behind the screen. You, you, you got to get the why right. Second, we got to reclaim passion over security. And, and what I mean by that yeah. is that we have got to stop playing safe we, we we've got to stop worrying and, and this is the biggest challenge for me is we got to stop worrying about people's expectations that are being placed on us um and what people are going to think and how people are going to react yeah um we got it we got to reclaim passion come on and i'm not talking about a passion for something that happened 30 years ago no I, that was awesome thankful for it shaped me formed me yeah but uh, but again when we, we we when i hear pastors talk, I hear i hear constantly let's go back to egypt um and and I'm I'm not comparing what happened to it. No, 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 no. Let's let's just go to the promised land. That's a future, something forward. And then and then finally just reclaim love at all costs. Yeah. Like and, and this is the challenge for me. And so it's caused me to rethink really everything um about what we're doing and why we're doing it. So for me, I would just honestly, yeah, the first shift has got to be answering the why. Yeah. Why are we doing this?
0: Yeah. And that brings evaluation, it brings examination, and it may bring saying yes to some things and no to others. Um, yeah. And that's not easy. And that's the cost of leadership sometimes is making the hard decisions, but they're the right ones. And I feel like that we're going to come into a season where we need to, you know, we're going to have some hard decisions to make. I mean, this is, I, I work in church multiplication. Um, you know, you and I were talking about what do you think uh, starting new disciple-making communities will look like moving forward? What are your thoughts about that?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that, that's a great question, because I think it kind of will help summarize um, everything again. So, So for us, the first thing in this pandemic, we had to actually ask ourselves, okay, what can the church do? better than anyone else? Or why does the church exist? Like, let's boil it down to that. Let's, let's strip away what we can't do and how we could do this. Let's, let's, let's get to the core. We came up with three things as an executive team. We decided and a board, we said, let's, we can, we, we provide faith building content.
0: Okay.
1: No one else does that. We build meaningful connection because not only we connected to each other, we're actually connecting to God. That's meaningful connection. Totally. Yeah. And we've always been intentional in caring for people. That when the church is at its best, it's taking care of the needs of those around. So we yeah. said, okay. So for the sake of alliteration, for all you three point pastors out there, <laughs> and you know, this 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 will preach. Okay. okay. Content, connection, and care. Okay. But but so so once we got that, then we thought, okay, well, there, but then there's there's a shift because if so, here's what I think pastors are afraid of. They're like, oh well, if we're, you're Bill, you're saying we shouldn't meet on Sundays. No, no, you, you're missing me. I'm I'm talking about. I'm simply shifting why we meet on Sundays. Yes. So here's what we met on Sundays to deliver content. That's what we did. And, and, and we, we can, you know, excuse that away, but that's the truth. We built a whole weekend experience where you'd come and you'd consume content, whether it was a worship set, whether it was whatever. And we had our stupid battles over that. Yeah. Um, preaching styles and what topic that was content that has shifted. The content now is digital that. So, so just get your head around that for a second. But what we do when we gather is we have meaningful connection. Yeah. The reason, and, and I'm going to help. I'm going to help some of you out here. Okay. The reason your congregation wants to get back to church isn't to hear you preach. I, I mean, I'd love oh, to think I'm a good preacher. Oh, that stinks. I, I, that stinks. I, well, but it's <laughs> but it's true. Everything I everything I've asked, I've done. We've done surveys. We've done phone calls. We've talked to all of our congregation. And as hard as it is for me to hear, they love me, they enjoy my preaching, but what they really want is to get connected.
0: Thank you. Yeah. They
1: want to get together to get connected to it's God true. and to each other. It's true. So okay, so so when we gather, my question has been for our team, how do we increase connection? Yeah if we if we can deliver content online and they can get that whenever they want, um, how do we actually increase that? Yeah And then the final one is is around this idea of care. Um, and, and here's what I'm learning, okay? Care can never be a program because as soon as you make care a program, there is you will never be able to meet wow. all the needs wow. and it'll become financially overwhelming and crush you. Wow. It has always been birthed out of genuine relationship. Yep. If if I care for you and you have a need, I'll take care of it. So we we have got to strip away our programs that take care of people, and empower people to take care of people. Yeah, and that'll happen naturally through relationship. Like, so, so we took these three concepts and we said, okay, that. Listen here, here's the thing: there is no pandemic that can stop those three things from happening. Right. They, they may change how they happen. Right. They may change. Um, direction of funds and resources human resources so we first thing we did is we realigned we we said to everybody you have a, everyone has a new job description Yep. that that's the reality um, and so now we we slowly started uh rebuild we're right now experimenting with how do we build digital faith building content every day so here's here's the big shift for me okay we need to reclaim the home as the spiritual center
0: oh okay, we actually just stop right there stop right there okay. <laughs> I think I think we need to hear that because I I feel that as well. This decentralization mm-hmm. is pushing spiritual formation back to homes and smaller groups.
1: Hundred percent. Well, we we we've we've the reason we're not making disciples is because we've created programs that don't make disciples. And here's what I mean by that: we we let them off the hook. We do it all for them. Bring your kids to us, and we'll disciple them. Bring your teens to us, we'll disciple right. them. Bring, you come. Once a week for an hour and we'll disciple you. And then people go, man, I'm dying all the rest of the week because we haven't taught them Deuteronomy six where it's actually church is actually every day. Yeah. Church is every day. It's not a building. It's not a gathering. When we gather, we celebrate the church, but it's not the church. Church is every day. So we've been going, okay, how do we build faith building content every day? How do we equip and empower people to reclaim their homes and their hearts as the spiritual center? Love it. Not looking to pay professionals or to buildings to do that for them. But to actually take responsibility to walk in the way, and so it's it's been I've been reframing my thoughts around this. What is the way? Yeah. What is key and essential for every believer of Jesus to walk in that way? And I'll be honest with you, a lot of stuff we teach and practice doesn't. Re- I mean, it's interesting. It's it's fascinating. Yeah. But it's not essential to yep. walking in the way. So how do we build content so people can equip themselves, empower themselves, reclaim right. the priesthood of all believers? And then how do we when we do gather make that meaningful connection to God and to each other yep. as opposed to just coming for content? And then out of that care will take care of itself. Like yep. if you have a heartbeat and you love somebody and they have a need you meet it. Yeah. And this is why Acts chapter 2 verse I want I want to challenge everyone to read Acts chapter 2 uh 40 to 40 to, uh, 47 again because it answers those three questions. Yeah. Um it's it's this idea that yep they devoted themselves to apostles teaching Great, we can do that online. They continue to meet together. We can do that, but let's make sure we know why we're doing that. Yeah. And they took care of they. They were all together and took care of everyone's needs. That is the church. Yeah. And no crisis, no pandemic, no shift in technology, no personality can ever rob us of that if we truly sink deep into it.
0: What what what's rolling around in my head is what happens if we stopped, you know our gatherings all together. You know, so we stopped having Sunday morning church, Thursday night church, whenever you have your main gathering. What happens if we stop doing that? Would the church still exist in Canada? Well, the answer to that is yes. Because church isn't confined. We always say it doesn't confine to one day, but then we act like it does.
1: Right. Well, like, think of it this way too. Go ahead. Well, think of it this way too. Where, where, where has the church been most effective when it's driven underground? Yeah. Why? Because people have to take responsibility. Yeah and and they do. Here here's the other thing. I think we've actually insulted our people because we've treated them like children. We've treated them like if they yeah. don't have us, they can't do this. Oh, and that's the mistake.
0: I think a big huge massive part of our future is empowering laity. Oh, to be to to function in fivefold ministry, to function in all the gifts, to release them um oh yeah this by biv- you know bivocational co-vocational planting is a huge part of our future
1: well you know who's come alive in our church as a result of this pandemic has been our life group leaders yep because they're they're coming up with all kinds of creative ideas to take care of their group and how do how do we do this zoom thing and how do we yep. take care of needs when we can't be there and really powerful and it's been a wake-up call to me bill you got you you gotta understand the priesthood of all believers yeah you gotta understand we are all creating the image of God, all given gifts in order to serve the needs. We are the body of Christ. And you're and so, there and,
0: and you're there to equip them for works of service.
1: Exactly. And and and, and just so just so we're clear on that, because I know a lot of people are going to hear that and go, oh, I've got to create a program, a discipleship program. You're not hearing me. You're not, you're not hearing me. This is not a program. Can we please lose program language? This is a movement. Yes. What we're talking about is not equipping them with five steps to a better life. We're not talking about jump through these hoops to be a disciple. We are talking about take responsibility. We will give you resources and tools to find find your way on this. And we will mentor you in it. Yeah. But you have to take the responsibility for it. Love it. I think that's the call.
0: I agree. I agree. Well, one last question, man. This has been Rich. and uh, But the last question, what are you thinking about? as the possibility of reopening your in-person gatherings as a church moves closer. Now, I know every region is different. You're in Ontario, you know, still the numbers seem high. There could be just quickly, what are two or three things you're thinking about as uh, and what maybe you're talking about as you're, as the possibility of reopening
1: happens. Yeah. So we've kind of developed what we call our three phase plan. Um, So in the current plan, we've, we've committed to those three things. So we're going to continue to build faith building content online. And we broadened it to all of our pastors to drive stuff like ideas, thoughts, devotionals, moments, uh, Bible reading. Like, just help people reclaim their heart and home every day as a church. Right. Um, we're also doing groups through Zoom, and we're um, and we're caring for people through. I mean, I'm, I'm still doing funerals and weddings. They're different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very different, but we still do that. And we can care for one another through phone calls. Yep. Um. Our, with our seniors, we realized a lot of them couldn't watch online because they didn't have that technology so we started a phone where they could call in and listen to the services and they could get a personal call from a pastor love it all of our pastors are caring so that's that's what our current state but we saw phase one being when they open up uh, 10 to 25 at that point we're going to encourage people to gather again around watch parties but but again not around content so we're not going to tell them well when you get together watch this dvd of me talking yeah um (laughs) it's no connect connect to god and to each other yeah then in phase two which will be we think we guess yeah to, uh, groups of 100 or more but under like so let's say 300 we realize we're gonna have limited gatherings um and there will probably be ticketed events we, we don't mean money it's not gonna yeah, cost i know you i know money. i
0: know but it's crazy because you, you have to
1: monitor attendance you do it has to be it'll have to become first come first serve certain people will unfortunately be excluded yeah but we will not stop doing our online content. So it'll be an invitation, not back to the old, but an invitation as a bridge into the new. Right. That you'll come and be, for lack of a better word, and I and I know this is going to sound really crass to a lot of you, and I'm sorry. I know what you're going to say. I, I love mean it. it. <laughs> but it's like you are going to be a viewer, a participant in an online experience. You're going to be the audience.
0: The live, now, the live studio
1: audience. I know. I didn't want to say that, but... <laughs> But, but, but again, we'll make sure that in that we create space for you to have meaningful connection to God yeah. and to each other, yeah. but we cannot forsake in our context, the thousands of people who are watching online. Right. Um, and then in final in phase four, um, which we think will be, you know, for us, it has to be, we can't gather again in the same until we get to that 750 plus, cause that's how many people we can yeah. park and see in one experience.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, at that point, we will go back to gathering, but our gatherings will look different, yep. and we will continue our online presence. Yep. Um, like, like you said, the shift for us has been, we were a physical presence with a digital footprint. My, my, my good friend said it this way. Yep. So we were we were a physical presence, and then we, we, we tried to capture all that digitally so you could experience the physical piece. Yep. That has shifted. We are moving towards being a digital presence with a physical footprint meaning yeah we will focus our energy and time on the digital community and invite you into what is a footprint physically and yeah. that could be man that that's not restricted to sunday morning at x, x time it's 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 it could be anytime anywhere anyhow and that's the shift that's taking place
0: and the other side of it where we don't have time to talk about it but the other side of it is it's it could happen anywhere You could, you could. People could be in other countries. People could be feel a part of your assembly, a part of your church, and be in another part of Canada. And the opportunity for multiplication there is massive. Now all of a sudden, disciple making communities popping up from central all over Canada. I think that I think we've got some incredible opportunity. While there are some obstacles, I think we have to shift our perspective to opportunity. Bill, this has been Rich. Let's do this again and chat more about the future. I mean, I feel we could talk about this all day, uh, but I just want to thank you for sharing your thoughts. I'm challenged. I know our listeners are challenged and appreciate you taking the time to be with us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for letting me be here. And I just have one last thought for everybody watching. Please dig, please dig into this because this world desperately needs you to come on and it's why you're on this planet so don't miss this opportunity please don't see it as an obstacle see it as an opportunity for god to do legitimately something new in you and in your community because this world needs you thanks for you
0: thanks for humility thanks for your encouragement we receive it all right have a great day
1: yeah you too my friend take care